Good morning, Cross Point. You may have a seat. So glad to see all of you here. What a pleasure, what an honor to be able to lift up these uh, songs, these words unto the Lord in recognition of his greatness and worthiness. So welcome. If you're here for the first time, we're glad that you're here. Um, you should have grabbed one of these on your way in. If you didn't, uh, see us on your way out, but this is a little gift bag for us to say welcome to you if it's your first time. Um, if it's your second time, you didn't grab one of these, you may want to fill out a complaint form. It's found in the on your way out. But if you see someone with one of these, also make sure you say hi to them and welcome them. Uh, for the Lord to bring new people to our group, which he's been doing consistently for a while now, is it's a blessing to us and it's an encouragement to us. So, um, I hope you feel welcome indeed. I have some announcements that I want <clears throat> to make mention of before we get into our message. Um, first of all, most of the announcements that I'm going to mention now are found in the newsletter that we pass out every uh, Saturday evening via email. If you don't uh, get that and you haven't signed up, or maybe you signed up and for some reason you never got them, on your way out we have a clipboard that you can just you know, old school, write your name, your phone number, I think, in your email, and we will do the rest. We'll input your information so that we make sure that you get uh, those new letter, newsletters via email every Saturday evening. Deal? That way you'll, you'll stay in touch. You'll know what's happening. A couple of things that I think you won't find in the newsletter is, uh, first of all, I want to mention John. Don't, now, don't look at him and don't embarrass him, but John just had a very special birthday. Did you not, John? Yesterday, right? So let's sing happy birthday to John. What do you say? John's a very special individual to our church. So let's sing happy birthday to John. Ready? On three. One, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear John. Happy birthday to you. Brother John, we appreciate you. I know you had a nice lunch with some close friends yesterday, and so we just want to say we uh, are glad to have you. Your blessing to, to all of us, so thank you. Uh, and thank the Lord for giving you, I don't want to say how old you are, John. You look like you're in your 50s, so I'll just leave it at that. Maybe, maybe 60, I don't know. Uh, but I know it was a special birthday yesterday. So happy birthday. Another person I want to recognize today is uh, well, a couple of people, and one of them went to be with the Lord this week, Arnold Fox. Arnold Fox, our beloved brother, uh, who's been here for, for decades as part of this congregation, a, um, just an important individual for all of us, for this congregation, and on a personal note for me, I got a chance to see him in, in his last days, and I, uh, I let him know how much I appreciated him, because every time I saw him, he was consistently here. The only reason why he wouldn't be here at church on a Sunday morning as if he wasn't feeling well or if maybe Shirley wasn't feeling well. But other than that, he was here, and he did that consistently for, for many, many years. And every time I saw him, he had nothing but compliments. Uh, you know, just thanking the Lord for me, and he would let me know that. To me, that was very, has always been very encouraging, very uplifting, and for that, I will forever be grateful for my brother, Arnold Fox. I know he's been a similar blessing to all of us here in this congregation. Shirley is here this morning. Uh, I would imagine her attitude is, where else would I be? Right, Shirley? And so just know that we love you. We appreciate you. Um, we will do anything for you, whatever you need. Um, 
I know the Lord is taking care of you, and you have such a great attitude, and we appreciate you and love you. All right? I'll mention really quick that uh, first, just grateful to the Lord. On Friday, we had, most of you were here on Friday night. Friday night, we had the first women's uh, gathering. They have over 40 women signed up. Um, I think there was about that many on Friday, this past Friday night. I know they had a great time. Some of you are still recovering from that, I can see. And, uh, and the men weren't that far behind. We had like 33 guys show up to our men's group. So that's, that's about 75 people here on a Friday night for our men and women's group, which is great. Oh, you had 50. Lance, did we have 60, was it? No, no, okay. Stop it. Uh, you competitive people. Uh, so they had, they have, yeah. So 50, wonderful, wonderful. I know, I know a lot of women were here that don't usually attend our congregation, so that's also very special to us. Uh, same thing for, for the men. Uh, a lot of people here for the first time. So praise be to God. Um, our, our desire is to help you in your walk with the Lord and knowing who he is, knowing who you are in light of him and his truth, and uh, help you in your spiritual journey. So having that, that, those kinds of numbers for a congregation our size is wonderful. We're, we're grateful to the Lord. All right, um, I'll also mention that YAM, that will be the Young Adult Ministry, will have their first uh, meeting this year at my house next Sunday at, five, at 6, 6 p.m. We'll send out messages, we'll, send, we'll put it out there, but our Young Adults Ministry, if you are anywhere around 16-ish, maybe like a junior in high school, I think you would really benefit from a group like this, uh, all the way to early college, maybe early 30s. That group uh, will meet in my house for the first time this year at 6 p.m. We'll give you all the information. If you have any questions, uh, for some reason you're not in my texting list or, or what have you, um, we, I invite you to reach out to me. Okay? Very good. Um, I'll just quickly mention that next month we plan on going to the movies to watch the movie uh, called uh, The Jesus Revolution. We're looking forward to that. We plan on renting at least one theater, full theater, for our, for our Crosspoint family to attend. So we'll keep you posted on that as soon as we get that information. And then the men on the 25th are going to hang out with Frank Sontag, Daryl Strawberry, people like that. You may not know who those people are. But a men's gathering on the 25th uh, from 1 p.m. to 7. It's a free event. We were able to get, get like 25 tickets, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that we're going to need some more. Uh, we'll start some sign-ups and more information as, it, as the event gets closer. But I just wanted, want you to put that on your radar. Um, last thing I want to announce to you, and I'm going to ask Carol to please come up. Carol is a very special individual. Come on down, Carol. I want to introduce, she's going to introduce herself. Uh, what I'll say is that she is a very special individual. I don't know her that well, but I know about her, and I know that what God is doing through her is something really special that Crosspoint wants to get behind and, and support. Uh, so I'll, say, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I'll get you a mic here. I believe it's this one. And Kara, just tell us who you are, your ministry, and how we can help. Can I take it off? You can make sure, me. Um, thank you for the invitation, and I appreciate it very much. A uh, chance to share 
um, the plight of girls that come out of foster care. Anybody here been in foster care? Taken in kids from foster care? Ooh, we have to do a sign up to get adopted families coming out of this church. Uh, my, my journey started over 50 years ago. And I took in a girl, and um, she lived with her aunt and uncle with 13 children in a two-bedroom house. She did not talk to her mother or father. Those days were gone. And later, she died in the Cerritos airplane crash. She was with me for seven years. And that was the beginning. A year later, a guy brought his wife over. And he said, can I leave my wife with you and so you can teach her how to be a wife? I'm like, OK. <laughs> so she stayed about a year or so. And then another person came in. And that's just who I've been throughout my life. Uh, officially, we became a nonprofit agency in 1995. And um, God had been working with me really, really severely and strong. And I needed to say something. During a study or something that was here, uh, someone was, oh, it was Beth on the video. She said when God was quiet and not with her, so God had bugged me continually. And then all of a sudden, I was on Passons Boulevard, stopped at a stop sign. And he started again. I just put up my hand. Mm -mm, wrong. I don't know why you're bothering me. Please stop. I'm going crazy with your voices. And he did three videos of my past life. And all of a sudden, I said, OK, I got it. I got it. I'll do it. Whatever it is. I'll do it. And then he stayed quiet for over six months, just like her. And every day, I'm like, where are you? What's going on? What did I do wrong? Why are you mad at me? It was nuts. Then it dawned on me, you don't tell him to come on. He doesn't work on your terms. It's his rules. He's the leader. And from then on, it's been him every day. We have three properties in Whittier for, that are homes for girls as they come out of foster care. And we are the only one in the nation not to have an age limit or a time limit. So what that means is someone can be with us, feel that they're good to go on their own, and then they decide they're not. They can come back home. We're considered home. It's called Bridge of Faith Home, and the, it's a, Acronym, it means home opportunity meets emancipation. And that's it. And we believe that in foster care, you have this transient mentality that is formed in you because of them continually moving you. Someone is controlling your life, and you have no say-so. So what we try to do is develop permanency. And we want them to grow and to be ready and I'll give you one success story. Uh, this girl came to me <clears throat> straight from jail. Uh, couldn't, couldn't read the word, couldn't read a book, couldn't go to the market, you know, nothing. And uh, years pass, 
years has passed, probably 11 years or more now. And today she's a pastor. A year and a half ago, she bought her home. That is unheard of. That is the first. And so I'll be outside. Thank you. Carol, thank you so much. Bridge of Faith, oh, Bridge of Faith is a nonprofit organization based here on Whittier. We've actually collaborated with them by donating some stuff in the past. Some of us here in the congregation have known Carol and her um, ministry, because that's exactly what it is. It's a ministry. Um, and so we want to partner with Bridge of Faith. Um, you also have a store right near Uptown Whittier that um, you take in donations and you sell and use those proceeds to continue to support the ministry. Uh, so one of the, some of the ways that we can help is by donating stuff. Obviously, um, I'm sure money is always welcome as well, monetary, monetary donations, but also things around your place that are good that could be donated. Uh, talk to Carol. Uh, find out about uh, her ministry. I know that Elvia uh, and Patrick have more personal knowledge about Carol and her ministry. I know that uh, Monique has also dealt with her and collaborated with her. So we're always looking for ministries that are serving God's kingdom for us to be able to back and, and support and collaborate with. So I think that's a wonderful work that you're doing. All praise be to God. It's wonderful to see his call in your life and your obedience and faithfulness throughout the years in what you do. So we appreciate what you're doing, and we look forward to collaborating with you. All right. So thank you for letting us know who you are. Um, I, I look forward to having the church collaborate, but also individuals. So it doesn't have to be just the church, but it could be any one of us that are interested in anything that Carol mentioned is being done there through her ministry and, and get involved. Very good. I, at this time, what I would like to do is take communion with you. If you didn't grab one of these on your way in and you wish to take communion with us, raise your hands. One of our ushers will swing by. Also, if you came in and maybe didn't notice that we have our English handouts for you to follow the, uh, the service, you also might want to raise your hand to grab one of these. Um, I, make, I don't make a lot of copies, and then at the end of the service, I notice that there's copies left over. I'm thinking, like, no, something's not right. So... I would love for you to take one, and uh, if you don't fill it out now, that's fine. You can fill it out at home, but I think it's, it's, it's a very good resource for you to continue to focus, think about, meditate on this morning's message and God's Word. And what I would like to do in order for us to get ready for taking communion is I want to share with you a verse that is quite popular. It's John 3.16. Many of us, if we've grown up in church, have been at church for any, almost any period of time. John 3.16 is usually a verse that we memorize. You know, last week we talked some about what the Lord Jesus Christ talking about, you know, whom we should fear, how we should fear God who can not just kill the body but destroy the soul in hell. And so I want to I wanna balance that out with some good news. John 3.16. John 3.16 says that for God so loved the world, 
He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And there's a reason why this verse is so popular. Um, if you pay attention to what it says, it talks about God's love for the world. It's a love that compelled him to do something. It's not enough. It wasn't enough for God to say, oh, I, I so much love the world and left us there. But he loved the world to the point that he was willing to give up his only begotten son. That would be our Lord Jesus Christ. And by giving him, that means he didn't just allow him to come or have him come, but he was willing to give him up. He was willing to be separated from him as what happened at the cross of Calvary when the Lord Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was willing to give him up so that whoever trusts in him, whoever believes in him, should not perish. And this word is talking about condemnation and eternal separation from him. His desire is that none should perish, but if we believe in him, would have everlasting life. And I love meditating. There's so many things here that, that I would love to meditate. God's love, God's sacrifice, the Lord's willingness to come. Um, the fact that we are in a condemned state from birth, being born with a sinful nature, and yet God in his love would be willing to give us an escape of that and doesn't just allow us to escape condemnation, but he gives us eternal life along with forgiveness of sins. And eternal life is something we can talk about and meditate on greatly. So this morning as we take communion, you peel back the first layer. We take communion as a reminder, in part, as a reminder of what Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, did for us at the cross of Calvary. We take the bread that is unleavened. It symbolizes the sinless body of our Lord. We don't believe that this becomes his body. This represents his body. Let's take that together. As you peel back the second layer, you have the juice that represents the precious blood of Jesus that was shed, it was spilled on our behalf, the payment for our sins. Let's take that together. This morning, we're going to sing a new hymn. It's called Wonderful Words of Life. It's based out of uh, John chapter 6, when the Lord is preaching to a big crowd, and people don't like what he's saying, and they start leaving. And then the Lord turns to his disciples and says, are you guys going to leave too? And Peter had a great answer. He says, Lord, where are we going to go? Only you have words of life. You know, who else, who else can we go to? except to the Lord who has uh, these wonderful words of life. This hymn was written over 100, about 150 years ago, and it's been sung by other Christians throughout the decades and in different centuries. And we want to continue to get familiar with some of these uh, hymns and sing them together. Hopefully, um, you know, you can look them up on YouTube and such. And I don't know if they are in, uh, like, Apple Music and stuff. I'm going to have to check that out. But um, let's stand and let's sing this together. All right, it says, <clears throat> Sing them over again to me, wonderful words of life. 
Let me more of their beauty see. Wonderful words of life. Words of life and beauty. Teach me faith and duty. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Christ the Blessed One gives to all wonderful words of life. Sinnerless to the loving call, wonderful words of life. Also freely given, wooing us to heaven. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Sweetly echo the gospel call. Wonderful words of life. Offer pardon and peace to all. Wonderful words of life. Jesus, only Savior, sanctify us forever. Beautiful words, wonderful words. Wonderful words of life, beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. And Father in heaven, we're grateful for you allowing us the opportunity in this Sunday morning to open up your word, open up your word and be able to receive these wonderful words of life. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for giving us understanding and a desire to want to be here to worship you and learn more about you. I thank you for everybody who's here. I ask for your blessing as we spend time with you and your word. We pray in the wonderful name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. You may have a seat. Beloved, this morning we're going to continue with our messages from uh, Luke chapter 12. It's the second message from this chapter. The title of this morning's message is Rich Toward God. So I have an initial question for you. How many of you guys want to be rich? Ah, don't raise your hand because then you're going to get judgmental eyes around. How, don't do it. Don't do that to yourself. Um, would, would, would you say that you're rich toward God? Is, is that a, a familiar term to you? It would be really strange if somebody came up to you and said, Are you rich toward God? Oh, what you're talking about, Willis? Uh, but that's... The Lord mentioned that. I'm going to read uh, Luke 12, verses 13 through 21. And towards the end of that portion, the Lord says this phrase about being rich toward God. Obviously, most of us, uh, just by virtue of being born into a family and a culture and a society, the idea of being rich is kind of ingrained in our minds. I always mention this, but when I used to teach um, intermediate, at the intermediate school, I forget what grade it was. I think it was maybe, uh, yeah, seventh grade. Uh, probably a, a social studies teacher would have their students do a, a uh, board, like a display board about their, every kid's future. And they would say, you know, what do you want to be? What do you want to do in your future? And, and whenever I would see kids carrying their boards, I would say, hey, let me see your board. And, 
And sure enough, all the boys would open it and bam, they have all these Rolls Royce and fancy cars and bling bling and money and pictures of you know, good looking girls and such. And it's like, yeah, that's what my future one. And, and, uh, and for the girls, slightly different. But, but usually this idea, as, as, even as children, I think this idea of being rich is something that attracts us. Maybe if you grew up in a Christian home, it was maybe a little bit different, hopefully. But if you didn't, uh, or even if you did grow up in a Christian home and went to a public school or just had friends that weren't Christian, that was something that's kind of ingrained in us, this idea of success, and we would equate that with having lots of money, right, and being rich, whatever that means. So I think it's something that we have to fight against. The Lord had so much to say about money, and so as I survey the rest of Luke, we're going to be talking a lot about money, and not because I'm interested in your money, because I'm not, not because the church is interested in your money, because we're not. Uh, and if you've been here any period of time, you know that that's true. Um, we're grateful that the Lord sustains us. At the same time, we recognize that money is needed to, to do a lot of things that we do, and that we want to do. You know, we have a ministry like Bridge of Faith that is here. They, they constantly can use more funding, I would imagine, for them to continue to do the good work that they do. And, and interestingly enough then, the Lord speaks a lot about money. So the reason why money is going to come up is because the Lord spoke about money. You know, as we, as we go through Luke, we're now nearing, you know, the next few chapters. This is the Lord on his way to Jerusalem for the last time. And so we're not going to cover a big period of time. And you're going to see that in this short period of time that, that is remaining in Luke from 12 all the way to 24, it's not a long period of time, but we're going to see a lot of his teachings, and a lot of his teachings have to do with money. The Lord understands that how we view money is an indicator of our spiritual state. Did you hear that? The Lord understands that how we view money, how we deal with money, how we acquire money, how we spend money, how we save money, all of those things are indicators of our spiritual health. Very interesting. And so we should be interested in the things that the Lord teaches. And you're going to see how today the Lord is teaching us that we need to be rich toward God as opposed to being rich for ourselves. So I think it's very interesting. I'm going to read Luke 12, verses 13 through 21. As I do that, keep in mind the main point of this morning's message, which is that we glorify God by being generous instead of being greedy. We glorify God by being generous instead of being greedy. So here we go. Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. So what it says. <clears throat> Keep in mind that the Lord had just talked and warned his disciples about hypocrisy as it was evident to the Pharisees, and then he taught uh, a lot of things, but we talked about um, how he addressed people, and he said to not fear people, but fear God, and we talked about that last week. And so when we pick up uh, verse 13, we're still dealing with that same crowd and that same um, uh, event with that crowd that was, uh, it says that there was thousands of people, and they were trampling on one another. So this is still part of that scene so verse 13, it says, Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. 
But Jesus said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And then he said to them, to the crowd, he says, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who has laid up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. The Lord says, if you have spent your life building riches for yourself instead of being rich towards God, then you are a fool. And, God, and it's not like, hey, fool. It's not like that. It's like you're a fool. You're on your way to hell. You're under condemnation, and you had no idea what you were doing. That kind of fool. And the Lord says to everybody, anybody who's like this person is also a fool. So we don't want to be fools. We want to be wise. We want to be careful with our money. We want to be careful with our attitude towards money. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So, it's kind of heavy, huh? Whoa, it's like, you're thinking like, I was hoping you'd talk about money and investments and show me how to do, no. Let's see what the Lord says. So what we're going to do is, um, and I would love that as we go through this teaching, my prayer is that the Lord is the one that's teaching us through his Holy Spirit, through his word, and that we make some connections like, why do we have Carol here from Bridge of Faith? Because we're talking about money. We're talking about the Lord, how the Lord says that life does not consist in the abundance of the things we possess. You know, that's, I haven't seen that sticker lately. You know, whoever dies with the most toys, what? Wins. Wins what? That, that is a, a, an attitude completely contrary in opposition to what the Lord would say. What is that? Your goal is to acquire things, and the more things you have, the better you feel about yourself. Don't be a fool, God would say. Wake up. That's what Satan wants for you. You know, Satan, the enemy, would want you to be happy or for you to find happiness, at least temporary happiness, in the things you possess. And he would love for you, the enemy, to find your identity and your self-worth in the things you possess. That's a bad place to be in we got to find our identity in Christ, knowing that in Christ we are more than conquerors, that God is our shepherd and he will provide for all of our needs. And indeed, that if Christ is all we have, we realize Christ is all we need. What a better place to be at instead of wanting more and more. But let's go. We're going to do this. We're going to uh, complete this phrase, which is, to be rich toward God we must. So I'm assuming we want to glorify God with our lives. And the Lord says we want to be rich toward God. So the question becomes, how do we become rich toward God? And that's what we're reading this portion. 
So to be rich toward God, we must, point number one, not be covetous. Now, what is covetous? What is it to be to covet? Well, to covet means to want what other people have or to desire what other people have. So you look at the neighbor, and he has a really nice front yard, and you're thinking, like, why can't our front yard look like that? You know, they have 10 trees. We only have six trees, and and now you're all bummed out because you don't have what your neighbor has. Or you go to church, and -and so-and-so is wearing those new sneakers. I know some of you guys are like, cares about sneakers. Some people care a lot about sneakers, and you want those. And your dad says, like, they're $300. You're crazy. Oh, they're just $300? I'm like, what? And just go down the line. You, you, you go somewhere, it's like, oh, look at that car. Or you drive around, it's like, wow, why couldn't we live here? Why couldn't I look like that? Oh, look at his wife. You might think that's weird, but we're going to read. We're going to read that. To covet is to have this, this bad desire, this this unhealthy desire to have what somebody else has. Like, you can't be happy for other people. Instead of being happy for other people, you know, when people share good news with them, oh, guess what? I got a raise at work. And you're like, oh, I haven't gotten a raise in three years. Like, what happened to you? Congratulations. Way to go. You deserve it. You know, I heard somebody say you got to be very careful who you share good news with. You actually find out who, who your good friends are, who your true friends are. And some of us don't even realize that we can't even accept people's good news because we start comparing with ourselves and start feeling bad about ourselves. To covet is to desire, to wrongfully desire what other people have at the expense of you being content with what you do have. And many of us are going to have the question, like, does that mean I, I shouldn't want, like, a better education or a better life for myself or my kids? Or does that mean I should just be happy with the car that I have and never strive to have something better? That's not what we're saying. We're talking about an unhealthy desire to want what other people have at the expense of you being content. Lots to say about covetousness. And then, does, you know, my, what if I do covet? Well, I would say everybody covets every once in a while. I would find it difficult to say that there's somebody that never covets anything. You may not call it, call it, you know, that you covet. But I think the idea here is to not have a heart, a covetous attitude or heart, that you're constantly wanting what other people have, and you're never happy with what you have. That, uh, that's, the, that's the problem. And we have to be careful with that. So in Luke 12, 15, the Lord tells the crowd, you know, in, in the first, in last week when we read that portion, the first 11 verses, the Lord says, beware of the Pharisees' hypocrisy, right? And then here in this next section, he says, beware of covetousness. It's the same crowd, and he's telling them some very important things to be aware of or to, to be cautious about. Hypocrisy and now covetousness. So in verse 12, sorry, chapter 12, verse 15, the Lord says, And he said to them, take heed or be careful, beware of covetousness. He's, he's saying we're all susceptible to that. You have to be careful with that. You have to be on guard against that. And then he says, For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Why would he say that unless he realizes that there's a lot of people that believe that life is all about acquiring things? How interesting. 2,000 years ago. You might be thinking like, what kinds of things could they have possibly had? You know, check out these sandals. Like, oh. Check out my new robe. 
you know, they worried about the same stuff that we do, actually. Homes and interesting. Let me share with you a couple of verses because we have to kind of move quickly. Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. You might be thinking, like, I've heard that word covetousness or covet. God says in the Ten Commandments, and this is the Tenth Commandment, and it's interesting that the Lord would leave it at the end because the first four commandments have to do with our relationship toward God. The next five, or the next, the next uh, yeah, the next five have to do with our relationship towards people. And then the last, almost to say, like, in case that's not enough, let me hit you, not in your relationship with God, your relationship with people. Let me talk to you about your relationship with yourself. Don't covet. That has to do not with how you deal with people, but how you feel on the inside towards people. I mean, the Lord just kind of stamped it out with the Ten Commandments and just left nobody untouched. Uh, so in, in, in Exodus chapter 20, when the Lord is giving Moses the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments says in, 20, in, in Exodus twenty seventeen, it says, You shall not covet. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife nor his male servant, nor his female servant, or his ox, his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Leave your neighbor alone. You might be thinking, like, who covets their neighbor's wife? Uh, remember this guy David? He coveted Uriah's wife and then killed him and took her, and what a mess. God knows why he says these things. And so he, he would say, don't cover your neighbor's house. And then it says, you shall not covet uh, your neighbor's wife, servant. So don't covet any possession that anybody else has. To covet is to be discontent with what God has given you and being jealous about other people have. It's a bad, bad road to go on. Joshua 7, 21 is an example of a man named Achan. He was a soldier in the Israeli army. And they have these battles. Joshua is battling. He's in charge of conquering the promised land. They're doing great. And then all of a sudden, they go to this place. And, and God says, when you go there, don't take anything. And Achan, as he's you know, conquering these people, he sees a bar of gold, silver, some silver coins. He sees like this really fancy outfit. And he, sa- he covets them, and he takes them. And then he hides them under his tent. And then the next time they go on to battle, in a battle that the Israelites should have won against Ai, they lose. And all of a sudden, Joshua's like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. We're supposed to win. So he goes to the Lord. The Lord says, there's, there's an iniquity. There's a big harm going on in the camp. You need to figure it out and get that fixed before you get any more, any more victories against your enemies. And they find out that Achan had indeed taken some of the things that God had prohibited them to take. They were to destroy everything and everyone everywhere they went. And this guy took stuff. He coveted. He wanted. He, you know, and he figured Man, my wife, my, my family doesn't do that great. You know, I'm just a soldier with a soldier's, you know, income. And boy, if I just, nobody cares. We're going to destroy this stuff anyways. Who cares? The problem is God cared. And he cared about his heart. And he cared about the heart of his people. And he knew that if covetousness was allowed, that would ruin his people. And so as soon as it happened with Achan, they find out, you know, that Achan was the, uh, the, the, um, transgressor in Joshua chapter 7 verse 21 it says this is Achan confessing he says when I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels I coveted them and I took them and they are hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it 
So long story short, Joshua gets some people. They go. They find out that stuff. So they take Achan. But they don't just take Achan. In case you're thinking, like, what's wrong with coveting? They take Achan. They take his wife. They take his kids. All of his belongings. They stone him to death and they burn him. What's the big deal? What's a big deal to God? God cares about our heart. And to covet is a great danger and a great sin. We have, that's why the Lord says, take heed, beware of covetousness. And be honest with yourself. You know, I have the, so I have the, uh, the handout. And question, the question for that is, how would you describe your battle with wanting what others have? Mm. And then I put elaborate. <laughs> elaborate. How's your battle with covetousness? And if you're thinking like, I never covet anything. If that's true, praise the Lord. I doubt it. We're on the same boat. We have to be careful. The Lord will tell us as well, beware of covetousness. Point number two, to be rich toward God, then we must not covet. And point number two, we must not be selfish or greedy. You might say, well, isn't that kind of same thing? Sort of, but not quite. To covet is something in your heart that happens when somebody else has something else that you want. But to be greedy means whatever you do have, you don't want to share it. And so the Lord says uh, in verse, he, he gives an illustration, a parable. And he says in Luke 12, 19 about this man. Or, uh, well, 12, 19 says about this man who was greedy. He says, I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take ease, eat, drink, be merry. And the parable is this. There's a man who's already rich, and his land yields a plentiful crop. And so he gathers all his food, and he, you know what problem he has? He says, I don't have anywhere to store all these goods. Now, he was rich already. It's not that he didn't have barns. What was the problem? His barns were already full. So in his mind, he says, what I have there is not enough. I have all these goods. Nowhere is there an indication that he thanks God or thinks of other people. He's just thinking about himself. So he tears down his barns and he builds bigger ones so he can put more stuff in there. And then as he puts all his stuff in those new barns, he's thinking to himself, not how can I share and bless Bridge of Faith. He's thinking, now I can just kick back. I can just drink all day. I can relax, I can party, and everything's going to be all right because I have money in the bank. And the Lord says, you fool. You fool. You've acquired things for yourself, and you're not rich toward God. So we have to be careful. If we're going to be rich toward God, we must not be selfish or greedy. And greed leads to, obviously, covetousness. That's why I wanted to use selfishness. To be selfish. We're talking about an unhealthy desire to hoard one's goods. Whatever the goods are, by the way, you don't have to be rich in your mind. Whatever you do have, are you willing to share it and honor God with it? Or are you wanting more of it? And whatever you do have, it's yours and you want to keep it. You got to be careful with that. Proverbs 28, 25 says that the greedy stir up conflict, but those who trust in the Lord will prosper. James 2, 15 says, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm, be fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is that, James says? What good is it for you to have good intentions? 
oh, you know, if I win the lotto, I'm going to start giving to whatever. Oh, if I, if I ever get that raise or if I ever pay off this, then I'm going to forget all that. I would say the Lord would say, you fool. Why? I'm not interested in what you don't have. I'm interested in what you do have because that's a reflection of your heart. To be rich toward God, we must not be selfish. And the question becomes, are you selfish? Or maybe we should ask, how selfish are you? How selfish am I? What do I have that I can share? And why don't I? Point number three, to be rich toward God, we must be generous. How do we become rich toward God? We're generous. See, this guy did the opposite. First, to covet is to want more stuff that other people have. And then to be greedy and selfish is to not want to share what we do have. So all the opposite of that is to be generous. God is generous. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Christians need to be known as generous people. And, if, and the less you have, the more impressive your generosity is. Remember that lady that only had two, two pennies? The two pennies weren't impressive. It was impressive because that's all she had. And so whenever you have somebody who doesn't have a lot and still is willing to give that up, like this kid with the little lunch that the Lord used to multiply and feed 5,000 people, 5,000 men, you know, the, the, the two fish and the five bread, or the five bread and two fish, I can never remember what there was. Those things were not impressive, but it was all he had. He was willing to give it up, and the Lord used it and blessed it, and he was fed, and so was everybody else. Not that the Lord needed his lunch, but he used it as an illustration for us. It doesn't matter what you have. What are you doing with it? Who are you blessing? How are you being generous? We want to glorify God with our wealth, with what we have, by sharing it, by sharing it. So Luke 12, 21 says, So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So how do you rich towards God? Be the opposite of treasuring up things for yourself. Instead, give it away. You know, Job says, Naked we came into this world, naked we're going to leave. You know, meaning we can't take anything with us, but we can't send things ahead. If you're rich toward God, how you use your money now is going to reflect in eternity. You know, if you, if you I know I'm, I'm putting lots of plugs in for Bridge of Faith, but what Carol is doing with these young women has an eternal outcome. There are eternal consequences in her efforts to show Christ's love to these young ladies. And so things that we do now with our, with our goods, with our money, with our wealth, has an impact on eternity. We can't take anything with us, but we can send things ahead. And two, we can take people to heaven with us. So you can't take any of your wealth, but can we use our money as a church and as individuals, to reach people for Christ. That's what we're all about here in making disciples. When God sends us new people that don't know the Lord, we want to teach them. We want to minister to them. We have a blessing board that we want to say, we're going to give you an opportunity to make it easy for you. If you have things that are good and you want to share them to, for somebody that needs them, talk to Alvia and Patrick, and they're going to put it on the blessing board. And as we've been doing, people that have extra stuff are blessing people that need those things. 
There's so many ways that we could be rich toward God, but we cannot be covetous and we can't be selfish. We must be generous. Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Ah, but you know what? That, that requires faith. Trusting God. That if you are generous towards people, God will bless you. 2 Corinthians 9.6 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Just like a farmer, it requires faith. And we sang that song, right? Faith, the first song we sang, was it the second one? And you need faith to trust that if you're generous in how you sow, you will reap generously for God's glory. I will end it with this. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. Timothy, uh, Paul is writing to Timothy about how to, you know, conduct church. And he deals with, with people that are rich. And he says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money, some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. To covet is an indication of a love of money. To be greedy is an indication of a love of money. To be generous is to be like Christ and an indication that you don't love money, that you love God instead. So we have Bridge of Faith. We have our blessing board. I'll, I, will, I will just finish with this quick story. Thursday, we have our food distribution. And out of nowhere, as it usually happens every Thursday, somebody from here, one of our volunteers says, Pastor Mike, somebody wants to talk to you. Oh, great. Young lady. And then she says, my husband is right here and my one-year-old is right here. Uh, this is our second time at the food distribution. And I said, oh, hey, let's, let's go into my office. So the, three, the four of us went into my office and we talked. And, and they proceed to tell me that they've only been in the country for for six weeks. They don't know anybody here. They are from uh, Ecuador. Ecuador, And they are, you know, working on their paperwork, but they have uh, legal fees in order for them to be able to get that going. Uh, they're both working somehow. They're not looking for a handout. I'm very impressed with this young, you know, about 30 years old and a one-year-old um, he has a university degree from Ecuador in agriculture. She's always worked. And as soon as they got here, they're working. But they need a place to stay. Wherever they're staying, there's 15 people living at that same spot. And they need a place at the end of this month. And they're not looking for a handout. They're paying rent and they want to pay rent. But it's hard for them to get a place because they have no history, no, no credit. So I said, look, come to church today. And if you do, I'll introduce you to all the wonderful people at Crosspoint who are very generous. And I'm certain... That we can help you in some way. So, you know, putting politics aside, here's a couple with a young boy who need help. What are we going to do? Stay warm 
be fed. God bless you if they come. If they don't come, then we offer it and we try to help. But if they are here, I would encourage you to meet them and let's see how we can collectively or individually help somebody like this. Are we going to help everybody like that? Probably not. We're not even going to know. But if God sends us people like that, I want to do something, whatever it is. I don't want to do nothing. If God sends us people like that and we can do something about it, which I know we can, let's do something. Let's be generous. And they told me we were Catholic over there. Here we haven't gone to church. We don't know anybody. I said, well, we're a Christian church. And I don't want you to come in order for us to help you. I just say, if you come, people are going to know you and are more likely to be able to help you and trust you a little bit in helping you. So I say that because there are situations like that everywhere. Maybe that's a little extreme, but it's an awesome opportunity for us as a church to show God's love in very practical and real terms. What are we going to do with the people that God has put around us and their needs? Are we going to just shut our hearts and be selfish and greedy as we continue to be covetous and covet what everybody else has? Or are we going to be generous with whatever we do have? That's up to us. We know what God wants. And if we do that, we will glorify him. If not, we give him a bad, a bad rap as his children. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're grateful for this beautiful morning. Grateful for allowing us to spend time in your word. Thank you for bringing Carol and, and, and um, awareness of, his, of her ministry, of Bridge of Faith. We ask that you would lead us in whatever collaboration uh, you have in mind for us. We want to be obedient to you and your calling. We're grateful for all that you've given us. Whether we feel it's a lot or a little, we are all here um, and fed. And most of us, I believe, have a roof over our heads. And Paul says, with that, we should be content. And at the same time, we know that you have been more than generous towards us in giving your son and along with him every other thing that we need. And so, Father, help us to be like you in being generous and giving of what we do have and being careful not to be, uh, have a heart of, of, to covet after things that other people have. We're grateful for your word. We thank you for Holy, your Holy Spirit. We ask for your guidance and help. Help us to be obedient and put things into practice. We pray in the wonderful name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. God bless you, beloved. You're dismissed.